0: Hi everyone, Sebastian Richard here with my lovely wife, Elizabeth, and we are continuing today our series titled, Lord, Save My Marriage, because there's a lot of marriages that are going through tough times. It's always been. Uh, marriage is not easy, and uh, there's a lot of specific challenges today in today's world uh, that is affecting uh, that are affecting a lot of marriages right now. And a lot of people are at their wits end. they don't know what to do. They don't know how to save their couple, how to save their marriage. And they're pleading with God, say, help, my marriage is so hard. Please, Lord, intervene, do something, do a miracle. I need your help. But before the Lord will do a miracle, he really wants you to understand the biblical view of marriage. There's things we need to understand and apply in order to have a strong marriage. And one of these things that we're going to look at today is uh, how a man and also a a wife, but especially a man, because that word is for a man. A man needs to leave and cleave. So what are we talking about, leave and cleave? Well, he needs to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and become one flesh with her. And as we will see, the one flesh aspect is not just physical. Liz said that. that She said that to me uh, today. She says, make sure you emphasize that it's not just physical, the one flesh.
1: Yeah, we... um we look at this title and we think, oh, that's that's really easy. Like everybody does that, right? Everybody leaves from their mom's house. We're always thinking, you know, that just means don't live on this, under the same roof with your mother kind of thing. But there's a lot more spiritual implications and just the physical implications to this.
0: Amen. And uh, I, I mentioned in other broadcasts, cause this is, a, is gonna be a series. This is the third part right now uh, about uh, Lord Saving My Marriage. Uh, So the three main causes of divorce are number one, money, number two, sex problems, and number three, in-laws. And the leave and cleave teaching that we're doing today has to do with number three, the in-laws. And today we're going to give you solutions to how to avoid problems with in-laws. But if you do have problems with in-laws, hopefully we're, we're also going to provide solutions on how to fix those those problems, because they can be really, really daunting, very difficult. See, in-law problems, uh, if you understand how to navigate these seas, they they can be avoided. If spouses, if the, the husband and wife are in agreement to strongly cleave and to not let anybody or anything get in between them. But the devil loves to get stuff in between spouses. It can be from the most trivial stuff to the most complex stuff. And oftentimes he will use in-laws to do just that.
1: Yeah, because especially when, um, and you know, this is something that if you, even if you've been married for ten years, this could be uh, certain problems that you've been having, not realizing that the root is the the leaving and cleaving. And some people think, well, I left, uh, you know, my parents' house, but they don't realize how uh, connected that they still are. Exactly. It's like there's still an umbilical cord there. Um, either on the wife's side or on the husband's side to one of the parents. And they don't realize that in reality, they're not in a relationship with, um, you know, themselves. So husband and wife and God, but there's a third, there's a, a fourth person, a fourth in the, party. Yeah. Involved. There's a fourth party uh, you kind of tagging and, and controlling the marriage from a distance. And they're not realizing that they're opening that door to that. And sometimes, you know, it's just, ignorance. Sometimes it's just a question of not understanding the dynamics of how your life is supposed to change and what you're supposed to hold on, like how you're supposed to work your marriage with your husband. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we have, you know, women or men going for a lot of advice and and a lot of, um, you know, wanting a lot of input from their parents and everything they do, yeah. because they're not able to make those decisions only the two of them together with God. Yes. And so there's like a lot of foundational principles that they have to learn to do early on to have a strong marriage. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them don't do it from the beginning and just keeps on continuing until it gets into this big snowball effect of, you know, basically exploding and they never saw it coming.
0: Exactly. And speaking of doing it in the beginning, let's look at in the beginning what was said about husbands and wives. Let's go to the book of Genesis where God says something very important uh, that defines marriage in a profound way. So in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 to 24, we read the following. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And after this wonderful surger- surgery, <laughs> Adam woke up, and he saw vavavavum Eve in front of him, and he went like, "This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man." And uh, this is a fascinating statement by Adam because we need to understand the context. Because just prior to that. Uh, being put to sleep by God for the surgery, God had made all the the animals come to Adam for the purpose of naming them, Mm -hmm. but also there's another strange part to that passage, and I didn't jot it down in my text, but it basically says that in all of these animals, there was no suitable partner found for Adam, and I mean, you would think that God knew that already, and he did, But I think it was re-emphasized that obviously Adam was a unique creation. So Adam probably had a deep longing for this intimacy and partnership because he saw it in the animal world, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lion, linuses, and all these other animals. They all had a partner, a female partner, and he was alone as regent of creation. So when he saw Eve, this is why he said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, like he knew that this strong kinship with the woman was obvious to him. And, and then in verse 24, this is why we read, therefore, now when, you, when there's a therefore in the text, you need to know what it's there for. So the therefore is exactly the statement spoken by Adam this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh what does that mean basically saying this is the same flesh as me this is this is my partner in flesh mm-hmm. and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man and they they are they are basically from the same source therefore because of this a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Isn't it interesting? They were basically one flesh because God took the rib from Adam. So there was a component of the woman that was already part of man. And and then when they were two, they are still to be one flesh. So they are so uniquely linked and made for one another. And in, in some translations, verse 24 says, for this reason. So in other words, Because of the statement of Adam, which basically just recognizes what happened, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This joining, this joining is, you know, we know that the, 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 the sexual act, and I hope there's no kids present. Make sure there's no kids present as you're listening to this broadcast. Of course, it's about marriage, so you want kids out of the way. But the sexual act, of course, we know gives unity. It brings the two together as one but there's more components to this the the joining to the wife is is sexual in nature it's emotional in nature it's mental in nature i mean we often take traits after 20 years together yep. we've taken i take expressions from her she takes expressions from me and we're kind of becoming one likes
1: and food change likes and kind of merge sometimes. i mean she can we we we, we, <laughs> we didn't often, like before you end up liking like, we often like the same stuff.
0: stuff yeah i mean there's so <laughs> many things that, that make us one flesh. And of course, there's also the aspect of bearing children. Now, what is a child? When you when you are together in marriage and you give birth to, when a woman gives birth to the child, it's one flesh that comprises both uh, 23 chromosomes from each parent. So they did form together one flesh. So there's so many components that can be looked at this, uh, into this. So in this crucial passage, we learn many things about the sanctity of marriage. Number one, the wife was taken from the man and was therefore once part in some form of the man. So the rib came from the man. And that so that really gives us the, the, the ingredients to make the wife that God used were really taken from man. So this was the original design of creation. It was oneness. So to soothe man's loneliness, because it's interesting in Genesis, God, you read the first chapter, God created this, God created that. And every time God says in it, and he saw that it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. Mm -hmm. And then he says the first not good in all of creation is when he notices that man is alone. It is not good that the man should be alone. I shall make a partner suitable for him that's what God said so there was the first not good in all of creation in other words there was something that needed correction that needed addition and God made sure that this was provided so to soothe man's loneliness God resorted to- but
1: it's it's also a message to mankind that's why it's in the Bible it's not just yeah no it's also for mankind yeah it was planned that way but it's important for him to for us to understand that it isn't good for a man to be alone we see that a lot yeah you know you'll see uh, for example somebody that's been married for like i don't know over 50 years and then the wife dies because you know they're old and then oftentimes the husband will die not shortly after because it's just like one of those things unless they they can remarry they just kind of wilt, you know, and and it's just like over after. Yeah,
0: and it is, so I'm glad you brought that up. It's true that it's also not good for man, the mankind, a human being to be alone either. We have this Mm -hmm. sense of community, this need for community and communion and intimacy with other people that is very crucial to our uh, emotional well-being. And uh, it's actually proven scientifically that in order for a human being, a human being to be well-balanced emotionally, They need to have an encounter with other human beings, at least three different ones every day. That is what keeps a human being well-balanced emotionally. So so God resorted to alter this original design of one man by creating a second model, which was the the woman, to assure also the procreation of the species. Now, it's interesting to conjecture, and I've, I've, I've read all kinds of theological things about that, that... Yes, although men and women can procreate, uh, that maybe the original model Adam maybe was able to duplicate himself anyway without the woman. But I, I I don't I don't buy that. I don't think that that we were like reptiles or like there's some self self replicating species out there in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was part of what man was all about. I really think that the original design was to be male and female. He created them, and that's what was wanted. The original, uh, not the original, the uh, the ultimate purpose, when God created man, was, in other words, in other words, when man was alone, God already had planned to do Eve. He just kind of acknowledged that, yeah, it definitely, this she needs Eve. Yeah. I, I need to make Eve look at that. Like he's he's not very happy. <laughs> so it's like it's like God acknowledging that this was a, a good idea that that they be male and female. Mm-hmm. So when the man is joined to his wife in marriage. This original oneness is recreated, so to speak, because remember, Eve was taken from Adam and he says, this is bone of my bone. So there's like a a oneness there just by intrinsic oneness. So when the man is joined to his wife, the, the oneness is like recreated. There is a return to God's original purpose for intimacy. This is why verse 24 says, for this reason for the fact that the woman was taken out of man and that she's bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh and all that stuff. For this reason, shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now, the reason being Adam's realization and declaration, like I mentioned, of what he noticed when he saw Eve. Now, thirdly, the man is joined to his wife in the marriage bed, like I mentioned earlier. Yes, that is a fact but also through procreation, the, the descendants of the couple are one flesh. It's one flesh, and the dual, the dual flesh becomes one flesh in the child. So when the child is born, he possesses the, the dual DNA of both husband and wife. That's a fascinating thing when you think about it. And number four, it is interesting to note how God speaks in advance of the importance, the importance of the detachment that must take place. On the part of a man who wishes to marry, what do I mean by speaking in advance? Is remember, Adam and Eve they didn't have no daddy or mommy. They were they were the firstborns, the first ones of creation, and they had no father or mother. But God is speaking forth from here on here on out. Man shall leave his mother and father, and cleave to his wife. So God was foretelling how it's going to be from here on. Man would have to leave and cleave. And I wanted to share an image with you, and and I don't want to mess this up. I just had an image that I wanted to share with you guys. I thought it was interesting. Let me just check here. There it is. So I thought this was interesting. Uh, The verse, Genesis 2.24, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and becomes attached to his wife, and they become one flesh. Someone did some theological work here and shows all kinds of stuff. So... Here, uh, father and mother, we see the complete family model. This is why a man, that's the maturity, not a boy, not a teenager, a man leaves. So leaves is the transition, uh, his father and mother. And then we see a new family becomes attached, attached. So there's a new attachment created. Yeah. To his wife, who who then becomes the complement to this man, and there's the process, they become one flesh. So there's the deep intimacy, and there's a process of becoming. And it it is not like the marriage ceremony, the, the first few days of marriage, when there's the sexual intimacies, all that you become one flesh then, but it's also an ongoing process. Yeah. As you notice when your, your marriage becomes more mature, you realize that your tastes kind of have become her tastes and her tastes kind of have become your taste. You still have differences here and, and there. The, You're not clones, but, but by any stretch of the imagination, but there's stuff that really, uh, <laughs> I mean, she laughs at jokes today that I used to make the first year of marriage that she didn't even get that's how much we become one flesh. Like I laugh at, at her humor. and, and yeah,
1: yeah. A different sense of humor than I did. But you know, there's also the aspect of, you know, you can think that you're, you're one because of the sexual intimacy, but you're not really one because there's things lacking in your mentality and the way that you think about certain things. Um, I'll just give you one simple example. You know, if, Uh, He was raised Catholic, you know, starts to get to know, um, you know, let's say the Protestant religion and starts to embrace, um, you know, church, uh, the church that you go to and, you know, you guys make the commitment, but there's a lot of background. There's a lot of uh, foundational things that are all Catholic and his family's Catholic. Well, there's a lot of things to work through To decide, you know, well, how do we do this? Like what's important to us and how do we share God in in a way that we both feel comfortable with our children, for example? No. So there's a lot of mindsets, a lot of things, a lot of foundational things that you have to establish for things to go smoothly, for things to, to, for you guys to be in the same way of thought in a lot of areas that are important in your relationship.
0: And. Continuing and piggybacking on this Genesis 2.24 passage, Jesus in the New Testament reiterated the importance of the leave and cleave process.
1: Yeah.
0: In Mark chapter 10, also in Matthew, but in Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, he said, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. And so he's basically sta- quoting Genesis and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. But then here's what Jesus adds, which is interesting. He says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. And it's funny because Adam in the garden alone started out as one flesh. So so they are no longer two, but now one flesh. So therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So Jesus gives us that little extra uh, sanctity. Uh, portion here where he's really reemphasizing the sanctity of marriage, of how they are put together by God. Now, I want to talk about how successful marriages have this trait in common, the trait simply being that this has been applied well. The leave and cleave process has been done well. You know this. Think of your surroundings. Think of any successful marriage that you know of. And we all know some really successful marriage, Christian marriages I'm talking about. Think about the successful Christian marriages you know about. And the leave and cleave process was done properly. Now, some do it by intuition. They just just get it. They naturally get it. Others, through painful growth... uh, It's more painful, the learning curve for some, but they've managed to do it. And as a result, they have a strong marriage. But the point is they were able to do it. And, they and you know, they don't necessarily tell you this in premarital classes. I mean, we've been fortunate. We had a pretty good premarital class where we had a lot of good insights. But that's not the case for everybody. And, and, and so it's the importance of knowing that if a man fails to successfully leave and cleave, the marriage Will suffer, and that is a guarantee. If the let me repeat that, if the man fails to successfully leave and cleave, it's a dual thing. It's not one or, it's both. It's a it's a, they come together. It's a package deal. You leave and cleave. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a, a strong marriage. You leave and cleave. Now, if a man fails to do that, the marriage will suffer. So here's the question that you guys might be wondering: How? Does a man successfully leave mother and father? I mean, there's some men who have no problem leaving mother and father because th- they don't like their parents. They had either they had <laughs> bad parents, either they don't res- well, I shouldn't say respect their parents, but. You know what I mean? They, they might not come from a family that they feel like, oh, yeah, I, I'm leaving behind some, such great relationships. But for some others, they have such a powerful, strong relationship with their parents. They love their parents. They feel they were blessed by their parents. And this process might be a little bit more painful for some than for others. OK, so number one, and I want to make sure you understand this. Leaving does not mean forsaking or abandoning. Don't make that mistake. So leaving your parents does not mean forsaking them or abandoning them, which, which is just wrong. You don't want to do that because, uh, keeping, keeping, uh, that relationship alive by making sure they're okay by, by caring about them Mm -hmm. is part of honoring your parents. So you don't want to break the fourth commandment because you're leaving and cleaving. You don't want to do that. Number two, leaving means to cut. This is very important here. To cut a spiritual umbilical cord, there's a spiritual umbilical cord. Some might call it a soul tie. Now, here's here's what I want to do. I want to do a differentiation. In a healthy parent-child relationship, there's a spiritual umbilical cord that is a normal soul tie. It's normal to have a soul tie with your parents. They're your parents. Obviously, there's a strong attachment. It's normal. Yeah. But there are unhealthy parental relationships where the soul tie becomes demonic. It becomes bad. There's control, there there's there's mind manipulation, manipulation there's yeah. it's, it's toxic. Now, so here's what I'm saying. Cutting the spiritual umbilical cord is normal in the process of leaving and cleaving uh but so so in other words that that soul tie it's normal if it's a good relationship. So you at least reduce the thickness, if I can use that expression, reduce the thickness of the soul tie with your parents. But in some cases it's necessary if the relationship with the parents is toxic and you wanna cleave, leave and cleave properly to your wife to cut them off altogether. Now, this is for another broadcast and I'm not gonna get into this, but all I'm saying is that it's normal to have a soul tie with a parent and not all soul ties are toxic in a parental uh, uh, the child-parent relationship.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'll just expand a little bit on that. Yeah, so, go ahead. Liz. So for example, if you have a good relationship with one of your parents, let's say you're the, the woman in the relationship and you're, uh, you have a godly father in the picture. Um, he's always given you really sound advice. Maybe... The the man that you married is not as strong spiritually. So you tend to go for advice to the father a lot. And that can cause some friction because, you know, a man needs to feel like he's leading his wife spiritually, physically and in in every area of their life. So it's very delicate to uh, when we say that, you know, there's a tie there. It has to be broken off because. Um, you want to have that unity where your husband is going to have to learn how to lead you spiritually as well. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a relationship like you were saying with your father, but it just means that when it comes to important decision-making, when it comes to certain things, you're going to have to be very wise in how you implicate your father in that because too much implication, if it's not wanted by the husband, can cause friction because it's going to make him feel like he's doesn't have your back. Like he doesn't know where he's going yeah. and it, it might make him feel very insecure and might. Um, and I know some of you are thinking, yeah, well, my dad has way more experience. Maybe my dad's a pastor. Maybe my dad's in ministry. This guy that I married, you know, is a baby Christian, for example, he doesn't know enough or whatever. So it's, it's very delicate, you know, it's, it's better like to almost try to implicate your husband and say, you know, um, you know, maybe in this matter, you'd like to go see um, somebody that you have confidence in for advice in this area. Maybe he needs a spiritual mentor, you yeah. know, to guide him in certain things that that, you know, man needs guidance with. And there's other things that it's good to have, like a, a pastoral couple where you can both talk about certain things that are affecting you in your marriage. And, and then that becomes like a neutral ground because you're a couple going to see another couple and that has nothing to do with family right so that's a neutral ground where he's going to be more receptive to whatever advice that your pastor will give because he's not your father for Mm -hmm. example you know so there's ways of doing it and that doesn't mean that you you can't have a relationship with your dad and pray with your dad and stuff for your marriage it just means that you're not going to ask him always for advice and and kind of say, well, my dad said this, my dad said we <sighs> oh, should yeah, do no, this, that, so, that's, yeah, so you that's know what a I mean? problem. When you start getting into that, yeah. then that's when the, the husband can feel threatened.
0: Yeah, or or, or vice versa, too. My, my mom said this, if, the, if it's the husband, and, and he loves his mom, and he's like, well, my mom said this, and my mom said oh, you you're demeaning your wife, and you're making her feel
1: yeah like and, uh, and when he's, she's
0: just tagging uh, along for the yeah, ride. Yeah, and
1: when he's talking about those soul ties that are toxic, that are dangerous, we're talking about somebody that's toxic, parental
0: relationships. That's yes.
1: manipulative and controlling, and you have a hard time saying no to that person. When you say no to that person, that person blows up in your face, wants control over the relationship. So, uh, it may even like do this hissy fit, crying spell, so that your husband, you know, feels bad, and, and then it's like, oh, I can't disappoint my mom. I have to give her what she wants, that kind of thing, and then you feel like you're constantly dragged into pleasing her in the decisions that have to do with your marriage or even with your children because you want to please her that's when these things are toxic because you should be able to to have that relationship where you both say we took this decision for our child or we decide to do this thing like you know we're going to getting married at this place even if it's not uh you know your wishes because it's our marriage you know so you know, there's ways of of saying it in a respectful way, but making those decisions where she has to understand this is your marriage. You are taking the decisions and now she's no longer part of those decisions. Yeah. And here's
0: what I wanted to say also for some of of you guys listening are older. You have older children and you're you're in the in-law position now because your older children are getting married. And I think a godly parent needs to use and discern great wisdom mm-hmm. when their child who is now married comes to them for advice and one of the greatest things I could advise you to do is if your child who is married is coming to you for advice ask them did you talk to your spouse about it first you know because oftentimes they haven't especially yeah. their newlyweds they' still there's they still haven't left in the in, default in,
1: method they, did, is they to didn't even cleave yet said,
0: yeah. so it's like I know this is a difficult conversation. Did you talk to your wife or husband about it before coming to me? And and that that's the first thing that needs to be established. And then second thing, you want to make sure you're not butting in. And you can say, "I'm going to pray for you guys. I know this is hard, but you can or you be can open really,
1: to meeting both of them. Being and talking o- about yes, it.
0: and also. Cause you want to encourage them to make their own decisions together as a couple. Yeah. Basically that's what you want. You want that, 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 that cleaving to happen as a, as a parent yourself, you want to see that happen. And,
1: and a lot of parents have the, the default sense of, you know, now my daughter has gone or now my husband's gone. Uh, my, my son's gone and I have this empty nest. I have this whole, empty nest feeling and, and I, I need to feel wanted. I need to feel needed still. So, Whenever they come to me, I tend to want to, you know, over meddle and over, <laughs> over care I, I, and over this and over that. I say too
0: much, basically. But yeah. but
1: that's could be down the road can be detrimental be because you're not teaching them to, to uh, cleave to each other and be on their own because you won't always be around. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then that's what happens is that when they do too much of that, then when you're gone, it's like they're sort of like, what do we do now? We're kind of lost here. Yes. You know, and that's not good either.
0: So number three, leaving means also shifting your priorities. Obviously, this one is obvious. Like your priorities used to be at home with mom and dad. Now you're getting married. You're shifting your priorities from that, what used to be your home, to this new home that you're founding, this new family unit you're founding with your wife. So your priorities are now there. They're not back at home with your parents. Number four, leaving means to also physically... Detach, physically detach. And here's what I what, I'm, what i wanna say here. There's some will get married, and they still every Sunday go to their parents' house to have to, to have a, a lunch or supper. Now, in some cases, that might be okay. In some cases, it might not. You're gonna have to determine with your spouse: is this something that is uh affecting her marriage positively? Or negatively, and uh, so so that's one thing. But also yeah, putting and- some distance. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with putting some level of distance. A lot of people are scared of doing that. I mean, I've seen couples that uh, they, they get married and they move two houses further down the road. and That is not leaving. And I'm not saying you need to be at 500 miles from your parents, but like put some distance. Like it, it's yeah. okay to have a few kilometers away. And, in, every,
1: in every relationship that I've seen, even to the closest families where the mom was there very often to babysit and she was a great help. Um, unfortunately, what ends up happening is there's a lot of meddling, a lot of opinions, a lot of... Um, That's human nature. Yeah, it's human nature because they want to help you, right? So it's a human nature for the mom to want to help the situation. But eventually it's like they're overstepping their, their territory and then that just ends up um, you know causing more friction in the end so it's very important to have like you said a healthy distance, a where, healthy distance yeah. like even you know if you see that every week going there is starting to, to be they're meddling a little too much in your affairs then make it every two weeks you know a oh, visit every, every two month. weeks sometimes that just that extra distance can just be healthy for you guys and keep some kind of distance where you know we don't feel like they're meddling as much in our in our affairs and
0: you, you didn't you need to decide that as a couple also you you'll know as a couple what as a man or as a wife what's bothering you if you feel that there's some 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 meddling on any side and you, you know, need to discuss it
1: you know what the thing i th- I think is the hardest for people to do is to avoid those conversations yeah. where the parent is concerned, so they tend to meddle and ask questions that if you look at the question, if you just look at the question, would uh, your somebody, somebody that you just met, would they ask you that question? Sometimes, you know, even if you've known them for a little while, this person would never ask you that question. So if it's getting personal, that means that it's not the territory that they're not supposed to meddle in that ground. So, you know, when it comes to finances, when it comes to certain things, like I know parents want to make sure everything's okay, but yeah. sometimes you're meddling, you're asking too many questions. And especially if the the couple has told you, uh, you know, we've got this under control. We're both doing what we need to do. And they're that's trying good. trying to give you answers without giving you details. That's fine. So as a, a new couple or whatever, like you have to learn to do that with them and say, you know that's personal like i don't want to talk about that when it comes exactly. to money yeah uh sebastian for example is wor- touchy about talking about that and i just rather keep that private everything's under control you don't need to worry and you know we've got this And it's this okay. kind of thing you know so that they don't start meddling in every little detail of your life that's when you get into de- details that's when they start meddling and controlling
0: yeah and it's okay you know if, if you're a, an, an older parent and the child just got married. It's okay to tell your child, not ask questions about their finances, but to tell them, "Look, I just want you to know. If ever you guys need any help, any kind of help, I'm here you for you." You can let
1: me know. Yeah,
0: that's the best thing you can do. Yeah, best thing you can do. Just, just to make them know that, hey, uh, Mikasa, Sukasa, you need help. I'm here for you. Like this is the best thing you can do for your child. Okay. Uh, So the, the detachment, of course, I said, that you know, moving. Uh, some people move uh, two houses away, or. or Like they live on the same street, but some people live literally in the same house. Yeah. That also can be very, like, even more toxic. Like, if you got married, you need to move out. Okay. Don't stay there. Move out. Number five, leaving means to become. Now, remember, the verse talks to the man. This is why a man shall leave. So there's a bigger, there's a bigger leaving and cleaving involved for the man than for the daughter. See, the daughter on the marriage day, the father gives her away. So there's a headship transfer from mm-hmm. the father onto the husband. So the, the father is basically agreeing, saying, okay, she was under my care, now she's under your care. Yeah. So there's a more definite cut that takes place for the wife, I find, and that yeah. than for the husband, because the husband has to make the decision. Mm-hmm. It, it's on him. He's doing it. Nobody's nobody's cutting nothing. He cuts he he puts the distance so this means to become your own man and to embrace your own personal leadership journey because when you marry whether you feel like it or not you are now the leader of the household whether your wife makes you feel like it or not you're the leader of the household you're on a leadership journey so you're not to be dependent on your parents anymore but Now, your wife and your children, when they're born, will now be dependent on you. Yeah. So it's a whole transition for the man. Mm -hmm. And it's a journey where you really learn a lot about yourself and learn a lot about life and learn a lot about taking up more responsibility, becoming mature, and all that stuff. And it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's even harder if you don't leave and cleave properly. So always keep that in mind that it's a necessary transition that you need to do as a man and make it a decision, not just um, make it a conscious decision. That's what I'm saying. Realize what's going on. Realize what you're actually doing and what you're called to do as the man of the house, the head of the house now. Now, if a man fails to do this, again, I'll reiterate this, he may be risking his whole marriage. I have seen men who, who get married and they still love their mama. They call their mama. Their mama calls them three times a day. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with you, dude? And the, the meanwhile, the wife is having hissy fits, screaming her head off because she's like, this is not right. This is not normal. The, it was, but then the husband's like a big big blob. Just like, yeah, but she loves me. I can't say no to my mommy. She loves it. I love my mommy. Like, dude, grow up. You're the man of the house now, you know. You need to put some distance. You need to leave and cleave. I'm not saying flush your mom for good. I'm saying leave and cleave. Yeah, your and wife's your priority now, not your mama. And I'll bet, I bet, and usually these men, usually these men, they get three phone calls from the mama every day, and their wife doesn't even she's call very, once.
1: Yeah, because she's very overprotective. That's more rare. Like it, it does happen, but I've seen, um, you know, the 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 wife call the mom a lot and spend hours, hours on the phone. And, you know, and what happens is basically the mom knows a whole story of every little detail of everything that's happening in the relationship and all that because there's a lot of uh, there's just like way too much information being given. There's like um, no separation of the umbilical cord there. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So, Now we're going to talk about the consequences of a man who stays too attached to his parents. What are the the consequences on the couple, on the marriage, if the leave and cleave process has not been done properly, especially on the part of the man? Number one, the wife will feel she is not his first love or priority. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that a little bit, Liz, please?
1: Yeah, well... Obviously, if there's no separation of uh, the cut of the umbilical cord, then you always feel like there's somebody meddling. It's like you really feel like there's that uh, extra wheel, that extra person that you're dealing with. It's not just you and your husband making decisions for your life or for the the well-being of your kids. You always feel like there's somebody tugging at every decision you make. And it's almost like you can hear the opinions even if they're not in the room because you're so used to hearing them,
0: (laughs) you 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 hear them in your head.
1: Yeah. So it's (laughs) like, it gets really, really annoying because you feel like you can't um, really make those decisions as uh, a woman, you know, especially like for me personally, when I got married, I was, I got married pretty young and uh, I got married. I was 21. So, you know, you're still learning how to become a woman, how to make your own decisions for your husband Um, And then when you have kids, right, that's completely new, you're a new mom, and you want to learn how to do things. And so obviously, the mom will help you out in this area with advice. And that's fine. But what I mean is, um, you know, when it comes to decision making, when it comes to separation, going, let's say on vacation, and you know, you only have this certain amount of vacation time, well, you need to learn how you're going to use that. And oftentimes, the parents will be like, great, you're on vacation. So we can come and stay for seven days. And you're like, no, no, that's not what I want. Like me and my husband, my husband and I decided to do this with our son or our daughter. And, you know, we're going to give, you know, give you guys this and this day. But we want to do this and this. And you have to set boundaries. Set you boundaries, know? yes. There's those boundaries because otherwise, you know, the, the, the parents will take everything that you, I mean, if you don't put the boundary, they'll just take it all. They, they might.
0: Well, it right? depends on the parents. There's some parents who are yeah. very respectful. Others, they they, they, they they put their noses too much in your business. But, uh, so number two, the intimacy of the couple will suffer and so will their mutual trust. Elizabeth mentioned earlier that the husband, the wife, plus the Lord is a threefold cord that is healthy. Yeah. But if you bring in if you leave too much room and you didn't leave and cleave properly, then the, then the, then you got the in-laws in there. And that is not a good cord. It doesn't talk about a fourfold cord. There's, there's, yeah. You don't want that.
1: And <laughs> and I just want to say, you know, especially if you're new in marriage, like you've been married just for a couple of years, um, that trust issue, if you've never make it, if you've never broken that uh, umbilical cord, for example. And you haven't fully trusted your husband because, mm. you know, he's less experienced in finances, he's less in... experienced spiritually yeah. or whatever it is. Then what happens is you're always kind of having a foot in the, the area of let's say it's your father or your mom that's that's always giving you that advice, that spiritual advice or that financial advice. Then you haven't really created that full intimacy and that full trust yes. because you know, and and sometimes it can be scary because you're maybe young in the relationship. Maybe you're both young. And in, in, that's where you have to rely on God and say, God, you know, I can see that he's not experienced enough in this area. But show him, teach yes. him so that he learns these things. And, and then, then you're going to see him grow. And it's scary at first in certain areas because you might be <laughs> did like, I,
0: did I scare you?
1: Because, you know, because like, for example, for us. Sebastian, you know, didn't have the greatest dad. Um, he was very not present in his life, didn't teach him about anything. There were a lot of and, and, and was on Lots. welfare a big part of his life. so he couldn't give him that foundation. So I had to sit and say, okay, God, I trust you to, to lead him and to show him in these areas where you know I could see that he didn't have that foundation. and and Sebastian wanted it to work. so you know, he read a lot of books on marriage. He listened to broadcasts on marriage. And, you know, just being close to God just makes such a difference because you will um, learn, you know, these things from the Lord. The Lord will show you when you you lack a certain thing. He'll show you that you need to learn a certain thing. That's a
0: great prayer for a wife to to ask God, lead him to be a leader.
1: Yeah. Lead him into his
0: calling as as a husband and father.
1: Yeah. But once you do that and you see him grow, then that trust become stronger and stronger and then in other areas you have more trust and more trust and that builds a solid foundation so but you have to make that step in saying like i know a a girl she thought that she administrated finances way better than her husband because her mom had taught her how to like you know split up a penny in half kind of thing so she didn't want to leave any of that to her husband because she said oh he spends too much He's gonna spend all our money and this and that and, um, you know, and and they ended up splitting up that and, you know, the money thing is huge. The money
0: thing is huge. And, and I think that that uh, for some couples it has worked, for example, I mean, some some men uh, married a woman who's an accountant. So, yeah, you might want to entrust her the finances. But here's the thing. If you're going to have a good and healthy biblical dynamic in your marriage with the husband as the leader. Right. And the the wife has the helpmate. Uh, as soon as uh, the person entrusted with the money, I don't Did want to say see? they have more power, but they seem to have more decisional power. And, and that, in other words, it empowers them to, to, to lead more. And uh, it's a delicate issue. You really have to prayerfully consider this. Now, I recommend, and I, 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 and I know sometimes it might be like, for example, if the woman is an accountant and the guy is really bad with money, well, you know, this, is, this might be something that you need to consider to the exception to the rule. But I recommend usually the husband grow in his uh, money management skill. He has to He has to learn it. I mean, he has to learn it because I think that it, it it comes with the territory of leading, leading. And I may be wrong on that. Maybe there's plenty of well, uh, healthy Christian marriages out there where the woman is taking care of the finances. Uh, but I don't like. I don't know. I, don't, well, I I find that this is very delicate, and um, it should be the husband if it's gonna be. Uh, and it should be well made, well, well done by the husband and really taking it hard to be a steward.
1: Well, I think they should do what we've done is that the decision making, you take
0: it together. You the decision
1: it. making has to be done with both of you. Yeah. You both have to be okay with the decision making of how you take care of the bills and who pays what and what is divided for what in what area, because especially when there's kids involved, there's finances that go, you know, so how do we split this? How do we do this? How do we agree to educate our children? Where does the money go for that? All those important decisions should be taken as a couple together. But for example, let's say your husband is a blue collar guy and he's not really good at the finances are not on time with this kind of stuff, you can still do the administration, but at least you guys discuss the most important things of where things, you know, the priorities, where they are and exactly. how you're going to split. So exactly. that there's no fighting and no, Oh, I didn't know you did this. And that surprised yeah, me. exactly. And whatnot, you know,
0: what is that new portion, the driveway? What happened? You know, we sold our house. What? <laughs> 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 no, don't do that. Okay. Uh, so, um, so the, so if, if the, the man, if the husband failed to leave and cleave, the parents will most likely feel, they will feel that they have a bigger right to intrude, to give more, to be more opinionated. So the, the less a man is successful at leaving and cleaving, the more the, the, the in-laws on the man's side will feel like, I, I can give my opinion here because, you know, he's still attached to us. So that's a very important thing. And, and for the woman also that needs to be done. Uh, so she will, always, always needs to defer to her husband first in the sense that what do you think of this? And, and be a communication inducer, communication opener. So the, the wife should the wife has this capacity usually to be the better communicator. The husband and wife shall always communicate about everything. And it, yeah. this is what I found has been the best thing at preventing anything to come in between us. Even our children, sometimes they try to do that. They try to pit us against one another. That's for another broadcast. <laughs> but you want a marriage that, that nothing can come in between you. And the best way to do that is to really understand the sleeve and cleave process, because if, if you don't, the, the parents will most likely feel that they have a right to intrude because you include them all the time. You're always asking for their opinion in your husband's back or in your wife's back. And, and that makes that that empowers them to do that, even if right. they're not ill, uh, even if they don't have any ill thoughts or they don't want to cause harm. It's still unhealthy if to, to stay too attached to your parents yeah. for that reason.
1: And, you know, the the communication is very important. And we said it many, many times, um, you know, through the the broadcast that we've done it with marriage. But most importantly is to really clarify. So clarity is really important. Oftentimes, a man will say a certain thing and he means it a certain way. And you understand it another way. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, the way we understand things is differently as a, a man and a woman. Um, you know, sometimes for a man, it's very direct what he just said. And for a woman, it's like, uh, that's not specific enough for me. Like, I don't understand exactly what you mean. What, what should I do in this situation? So, um, oftentimes, especially in the beginning of marriage, it's important when you don't really fully understand their lingo, um, is to really say, okay, so when you say this, do you mean this? Yeah, exactly. Do you mean that I should do this? Or do you mean that I should do that? Like, is that what you're saying? You know, mm-hmm. so it's just make sure that everything is very, very precise and clear, because oftentimes in marriage, there's a lot of, well, you said this, so I did this, and and I thought you meant that, you know, and then no, he's like, no, I said this, that meant doing this, you know, and so there's a lot of that that causes a lot of fights uh, in the beginning, especially when you're learning, you know, the, the foundations of, of marriage and how to talk to each other, that it's really, really important to have that clarity and say, you know, okay, when you say this sarcastically, you're meaning this, right? Because I didn't do this, <laughs> you know, that lingo. So it's really important to be clear because I know a lot of women, you know, sometimes you're sarcastic, you might be moody, you say certain thing a certain way, you expect him to understand that meant this and that meant that, and it and it it never works out that way. It's really important to say, you know, this is important to me because of this and I'd appreciate if you did this with this situation because it makes me feel like this you know what I mean like that's how specific
0: which brings us to the fourth the fourth um consequence if a man fails to leave and cleave he will not fully develop in character and in his emotions emotionally as a husband and father and leader Mm
1: -hmm. this
0: is so important so in other words when you're called to leave and cleave as a as a husband you're called to develop you're called to grow you're called to become more yes and if you don't do it you have you have uh, prevented yourself from doing so and you're cheating yourself out of a better life Mm -hmm. number five Now, I mentioned that earlier. The the marriage will form a fourfold cord or maybe a threefold cord because sometimes what happens is you include the the in-laws and you kick out Christ because that's what happens. If you disobey the word of God, you're kicking out Christ because you didn't leave and cleave. And and you're saying, in-laws, you're awesome. Come in here. And and now this this is not the, the threefold cord you want. You want the threefold cord of husband, wife, and Christ. And you want the husband to always defer to Jesus Christ in his life. That is how he's going to grow. That is how he's going to learn to become a better husband, better father, all this good stuff. Now, uh, when when the, the the that is not done properly, the leave and cleave process, it, it's a big mess. It's a big mess. And that kind of threefold cord, when it's realized, usually it's late and it can be very hard to break. So what can hem- end up happening is that there was too much room given to the in-laws for some reason. And now the couple's like, we- we're in a mess here. We need to cut them out of our lives. This can cause grandparents tears and uh, a whole kinds of emotional turmoil in the couple's life, in the marriage mm-hmm. life, in the in-laws' life, the grandparents, all that stuff. You want to avoid that. So if it's done cleanly and properly as, a, as newlyweds, it's going to avoid so many other problems down the road that that could cause divorce could cause yeah and maybe all kinds of maybe emotional you're listening heartache. to
1: this because you've been married for like 10 years and things have been on the rocks i mean there's no better time to do it than right now and it's just it's just about creating those good boundaries there's a series called boundaries
0: boundaries yeah um that Tom you can Sam. get
1: on christianbook.com uh, it's done by christian psychologists very like excellent excellent we went through the whole audio series and it really teaches you the importance of respecting yourself as a person respecting yourself as a couple and setting the right boundaries and how does that work in christianity because oftentimes you know uh, christians have a hard time with that you know even with when it comes to church right they want to be implicated and throw themselves in 50 directions to help people in church and to be in this ministry and to do that and be part of this and be part of this homeschool thing. And next thing you know, there's not much time for your relationship with you and your husband because the boundaries haven't been set and you're all over the place trying to please everybody. Right? So that's a really good series. I highly Absolutely, recommend yeah. it. Go to Christianbook.com and get it's the series. It's called Boundaries. It's very
0: popular by the way. And it, 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 it has helped countless individuals and they have many, many, they have boundaries in marriage boundaries with, with, with kids, yeah. uh, boundaries, yes. like the the, whole the, a whole variety of, now. yeah, it's re- really, really good stuff. And it really taught us as young newlyweds to set those boundaries and to, to make sure that we were respected in our decision-making as a couple.
1: Yeah. And before you continue, I want to also explain that, you know, for a lot of people, especially people that are not saved, Okay. And I say this, but in reality, I've lived the same thing and my parents were saved, So my, my dad had remarried because my mom had passed away. And so, you know, th- there tends to be this philosophy where, and it's hard for a lot of parents to, to understand this, whether Christian or not Christian, is that it's like they understand that they're the, the center of their family, right? Because they've been established. They've been, you know, married for so-and-so amount of years. And so they tend to think that when the husband... The, the the newlyweds get married um so the new person whether it's the the you know let's say it's your daughter they're, the welcoming, husband, they're welcoming they're welcoming him in the their family in their in, in their, their existing circle.
0: existing family unit Exactly. or oh, we're welcoming this new uh this new wife of our son into our family or we're welcoming this new yeah. son-in-law into no you're not they're leaving and Forging their own own family unit, and that's that's a wrong perspective. And right away, that's a red flag. If they think it's okay to be welcoming, I'm not saying don't welcome them. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. It's great, but you have to
1: understand that. you have to
0: understand your
1: daughter or your son is leaving to create his own unit. His own, his own circle. Yes. So there's a rift there. There's a separation, and that's normal. And that is a, a healthy separation to, to live. And it's normal that you will feel that separation. It will hurt. You will feel like, like there's a separation and you don't have access to the person as much. And that's going to take time, but you're going to develop a new relationship where you feel like, okay, I'm still part of this element of the relationship. I'm not completely out of the circle. They're creating their circle. I can still come and see and, and benefit of that circle and all the joys that, you know, that the kids have, uh, you know, the grandparents side of it, and and the relationship, you know, you're going to want to have a coffee with your daughter or your son once in a while, and and keep that relationship going. But it just means that now that you're not including them in your circle, where you're like, you know, meddling, and you're part, they're part of everything you do, it's more like the two, two, they're doing two circles are,
0: are encountering and fellowshipping together, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. They're doing their own thing, and you come and visit that circle, yes, right, exactly. And so, that's that's how vi- you know physically I can explain it to you so that you understand the mindset shift that has to happen with the physical shift that has to happen, yeah. And you know, um, even for us, we live that because um, my husband's family, you know, because they well, were separated. Let's be
0: honest. It was a dysfunctional family. I grew up in a dysfunctional family, twice divorced, raised by a single mom. So there were some dysfunctional em, emotions in that setting and all that. And I'm not uh, throwing the blame on any of my parents for that. I'm just saying it, it is what it is. Yeah, mean, so, it was, it was a broken family.
1: Yeah. So when you're raised by uh, a, a single parent, and you know we had a sister that created a bond, right? Because you create uh, this unity because you went through this divorce, traumatical experience, and you went through it together, and so there's a bond there. There's a circle that formed. So when you bring in the the new wife that joins. Um, you know, that decides, hey, I'm taking you out of the circle <laughs> yeah, well, and let's go create this, let's new, go circle create this new circle together. Yeah. That's that, like, wait a second. That, 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 what's that didn't going go too well. Here? That didn't okay? go too well.
0: There was some problem, growing pains, I'll call them growing. Pains. So
1: so <laughs> and and it's interesting because even in their own language, they would say stuff like, uh, what's that word that she would use? She would say like something like, We're um oh, this Like they found a word for it, like this unity that they had. Our unit.
0: That's our unit.
1: That's our little bubble. And like, welcome welcome to our little little bubble. But in reality, I was taking him away from that bubble (laughs) to create this new unity. Uh, You weren't
0: weren't taking me away. I was willfully wanting to create that Well, because I was marrying you. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, because we were deciding to get married. But the point is, It's just important to understand that aspect of it how it's not that it's that you're leaving the person completely. It's just that it's shifting and you're creating your own circle uh, where you love and trust each other as husband and wife with God present. And that is the main focus to have a strong marriage with the children. And, you know, there's times to have that fellowship with them, but, you know, you have to understand that you're going to have that separation.
0: And, you know, that's kind of normal because we live in a society that encourages the opposite. I would say extreme, <laughs> extreme affection towards our parents, yeah. extreme affection. I, I, I mean, sometimes I'm astounded at how attached some men or women can be to their parents. And there's nothing wrong with parental child attachment. I think it's a healthy thing. It's a God thing. It's wonderful. The family unit is a great thing. Yeah. But many young adults today are still dependent on their parents even 10 years into their marriage. That is not healthy. Th- these trends, in my opinion, they make emotionally unstable adults. I've even seen some uh, well some people who are well past uh, their middle-aged years who lose a parent, either a mom or dad, and they mourn for years and they can't, and, it, and, it, and it affects their marriage it affects their it's mindset so i lost my mom and they still crying for their mom 10 15 years down the road after it's passed there was there's a problem there because it's like a, they, they they might need deliverance there's a soul tie that was like i don't know yeah. i mean the person is there you're still crying like that this is bad like in other words if your parent dies at 80 or 75 that's a normal lifespan. I mean, if you're if you're a child and you see your parent get hit in seventy, hey, again, you know you should know you should be thinking, hey, someday I'm gonna lose my mom or someday I'm gonna lose my dad. It's normal, right? Because that's life, right? You, people die, so you shouldn't be shocked when they die and they're eighty-two. Oh, I've seen that. that, Like people, the the woman dies at 82 and I can't believe it. I lost my mom. Are you serious? For real? You didn't see it coming? Yeah. Like this is unhealthy. And
1: oftentimes that's because there's more to it than just a, a friendship relationship. It's more like. I just lost the only person that tells me how to live my life, how to to do things, how to not do things. Every time I have an important decision, she's there to tell me what to do. And I just lost that. I have no idea how to think for myself emotionally. I have zero EQ emotionally. And uh, now what am I going to do? I'm 50 something and I have no idea how to live my life. And 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 oftentimes
0: kill your marriage like it can be horrific and
1: i've seen that in marriages even where the the woman has been with the husband for many many years but has never really clung cling to him properly no hasn't had that circle of trust really strongly built and the mother has always been present there yeah. and now the mother's gone it's like oh my gosh she has no idea how to live anymore
0: cuz she doesn't she never knew how to transition yeah. and that, that i've seen that too and it is absolutely troubling and it's really really bad and you need to to repent of that if if you have and you know what i want to talk biblically here okay i want to talk biblically because it's very interesting how the bible tells us to respect and honor our parents, Mm -hmm. especially when you're living under their roof and you're young, but all your life, it it should be all your life. But uh, it never tells you to love them. Mm -hmm. The Bible doesn't command children to love their parents. Now, it's fine to love them. We should love our parents. They're our parents. And, And we naturally love our parents usually if they're good parents. But, Here's the interesting part loving our parents in God's economy is not as important as honoring and respecting and obeying them and I'm talking about obey obedience is when you're young but honoring and respecting is your whole life through isn't that interesting
1: and and this is where it gets tricky because honoring and respecting automatically to a lot of people means I will do everything they say that yes. I should
0: do. Yes, right.
1: So That's and they point. don't understand the difference that when you're married, it's not that you don't honor them and respect their opinion. There's a way to say, you know, Mom, I respect that what you're telling me. I think it's it's a very smart thing, and I'll see what you know. I'll, I'll run it by Sebastian. And yeah. I'll see what he thinks about that. Like you're respecting the person by saying that, but it doesn't mean that you will necessarily do what she said. Because if your husband does not agree with it, and if it's not something that, you know, you, you you know, sometimes I know there's things that my mother-in-law told me that I knew he would never go for because I just knew him that well and I know how he thinks as a Christian leader. But sometimes it's just saying, you know, thank you for for letting me know about input. this. Thank yeah. you for your input. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it makes a lot of sense, but we'll see what Sebastian we'll, says. We'll discuss you know, it. We'll discuss it and we'll, we'll see what it. he decides. Right. Yeah. And so that's like respectfully honoring what she's saying, but you're not necessarily doing everything she tells you to do either. Yeah. Right.
0: So this brings us to the conclusion of this whole leave and cleave matter. I think I think we've covered a lot of a lot of ground today. And I think we've helped a lot of you guys to understand because some people, they've been married for 20 years. And they still haven't cut that tie properly. So it's very, very important that it gets done. So how does a man cleave to his wife? So we talked a lot about the leaving, but how does a man cleave to his wife? Well, it's very interesting because in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verse five, the newlywed man, Now, like I mentioned earlier, it's always better to do that in the early stages of the marriage. So if you understand that and apply it as soon as you get married, the better it is, the the better off you're going to be. So in the Old Testament, they understood that. And in Deuteronomy 24, 5, we read, when a man, I think it's a lovely passage, by the way, when a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year. And bring happiness to his wife, whom he has taken. Now, could you imagine if all the all the employers out there in America, Canada, and the known world would be like, "Oh, you just got married? We're giving you a full salary year of leave to go and make your wife happy. So you make seventy thousand a year. Here's seventy thousand dollars. Enjoy your marriage for a full year. <laughs> Can wow. you imagine that? That would be beautiful. But uh, of course. Now you might say this is not what the passage is, is, is meaning, but you know what I mean? It, it says he shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has to. I think it's beautiful. So how does a man do that? That's part of the leaving and cleaving process. Well, we said, leave your father and mother. The Bible says, leave your father and mother. And I'm talking for real dudes. Dudes, do it for real. Not, 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 not pretend. You really leave them. You leave them. You leave them as much as possible emotionally, but definitely physically. You don't live in their house. You you don't show up every every two days to go have supper at their home and you you know and you leave. Even if she
1: can't cook and you
0: prefer your mom's food. Even if spaghetti. she can't cook, you leave, <laughs> dudes. Leave. Now, the second thing is limit your time with friends. Now, some guys are very social. They they have a huge circle of friends. They're like social animals. They're super extroverts. They like to go uh, bowling and and, and sporting events with friends and doing all kinds of stuff. You're married now. You're married now. Does Does that mean no more friends? No. It means your friends take a back seat. Your wife's in the front seat with you. Make your wife your best friend she has to become your best friend she has to become your confidant she has to become the person that that you brainstorm with for all kinds of decisions she has to become your trusted partner she has to become your help me so and is- you're going to be the enabler of that if you put your friends where they belong on the back seat i'm not saying cut your friendships i'm just yeah. saying i'm just saying now it's not the priority anymore because you're married
1: so instead of seeing them every Friday night you might see them like once every 3 Friday nights sometimes or it's once,
0: once a month yeah sometimes once every 3 months it is what it is whatever your marriage requires is the priority uh an advice we were given when we just got married our pastor said he says I'm not saying you should do that but I'm recommending you do it if you can he said if you can he said if you can for a whole year to have no TV set in your home the first year of your marriage, it's really going to kick up your communication skills a lot. Mm -hmm. And he was right. Uh, We still had a TV set in our home, but we didn't have cable. That was our compromise. We're like, we're going to still keep a TV and a VCR if we want to rent movies. Back then it was Blockbuster.
1: Yeah, we had like three channels. (laughs) Yeah, uh, and
0: they were all snowy. And, and, And if we wanted on Saturday nights or weekends, we went to rent movies. And that was great. So we really limited TV time and we really and we, read, grew.
1: we read more. We
0: talked more. We yeah. read it, went more and talked more and did more stuff together. So that's a good idea yeah. to limit TV time in the first year or two of marriage. And develop the habit of talking as much as possible with your spouse. And I know some guys are the strong, silent types, okay? Not everybody's like me. I like to talk. Some guys they 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 say yes, no, maybe during a day, and that's the extent of how much they spoke during the whole day. There's a strong silent types out there, but even you guys, strong silent types, I encourage you to get out of your shell a bit more because women they like to get us out of our shells to know more because they want it, they they, they love to learn more about the this intimacy stuff and how how they can be you know improve on their marriage, whatever. So I encourage you, even if you don't like to talk, develop a taste for it. Develop a taste for it. And finally, enroll at the University of Wife. You are at the University of Life by default, but now you, if you're a husband, you're at the University of Wife. And likewise, if you're a wife, you're at the University of Husband. But I think it's better, it sounds better, wife, because it sounds life. It sounds like life. Anyway, so this is what I had to say on that matter. Liz, anything you want to add here at this point?
1: Well, you know, when we say talk as much as possible, it doesn't mean talk for the sake of talking. So, no. you know, a lot of people will go, they'll, they'll just like talk about movies they saw, you know, about the book they're reading and stuff like that. Like there's nothing wrong with doing a lot of that. But there's also, you know, that important talk of what you like, what you don't like, what gets on your nerves. Uh, you know, like there's a lot of different aspects that your dreams, if your wife your asks you questions you know, elaborate, explain a little more, because a lot of guys are like very flat in their explanation, they're just going to give you a one liner. And that doesn't give the wife much to go upon to know what, you know, how you tick. like, she wants to understand how you're made, what gets on your nerves, what what do you like, because if she's going to please you, she has to know more about you. And she can't know more about you if you don't expand on your feelings about certain things. So even if you suck at it at first, you know, <laughs> remember that it's important to do that more and and to, you know, give her examples of different things that make you feel a certain way or, you know, so that she gets to know you better. And, you know, it might be the opposite. Sometimes we have introverts as as wives and, and you know, some men are trying to ask questions and their wives are very, uh, you know, closed up about certain things about their feelings that's not good either mm. so you know it's important as much as the the husband's role for the wife to explain how she feels about certain things you know sometimes an introvert wife will marry an extroverted husband that's a, even a little borderline uh cl- choleric which is more um, strong strong Strong-willed. willed and that person will kind of crush the spirit of the other one that's more, you know, introverted and has a harder time to talk. So they tend Mm -hmm. to close up more. And so it annoys the husband because he's like, well, I'm asking you a question, you know, why don't you explain more about how you feel about a certain thing? And she doesn't dare because she's afraid he's going to explode or be angry with a certain, certain thing that he's saying. So that is very important to both be on a, on a grounds where, I do want to tell you how I feel, but I don't want you to get upset. I, don't I want, want, you want you to, to stay neutral yeah. and I want you to just stay calm. And we're just talking just to understand each other better. And so, you know, I might say things that rub you the wrong way sometimes, but I need to explain how I feel and I need you to hear me out, yes. you know. And then once you've heard me out, you know, explain how you feel about the, the certain topic. So, you know, sometimes it can be like rough with these different personalities and introvert, extroverts, and stuff, but it's really important that both respect each other and hear each other out so that you can work it better. Because otherwise, I'm sorry, but I've seen this a hundred million times. The husband that's very, you know, angry or very opinionated always has something to say. And then the wife just shuts up, shuts up, shuts up, doesn't say a word, doesn't really say how she feels. Bottles up everything. Eventually she leaves. Either she ends up getting sick. I've seen many times she gets cancer because of bitterness and she dies. Or she ends up leaving him or she just like blows up in fights that he never saw, like ticking time bomb kind of fights. And he's like, what just happened? I had no idea. And we're talking about the last five years kind of thing. And now it just exploded. So good luck trying to figure all that out because five years of resentment and bitterness, oftentimes mm. there's not much you can do with that. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's why I'm saying it's so crucial to really say, okay, I'm going to be patient with her even if I don't understand why she's telling me this, but I need to understand this. I need to deal with this. It's better for her to feel like she can talk to you and come to you and speak to you when she needs to than bottle up stuff. I've seen relationships where he's like, I've tried. I've tried. I don't know what else to say to her. I want to work this marriage. And she's like, I hate you. I've been hating you for the last five years. Cause yeah. I haven't said anything about my feelings. Cause I've been, bitterness grew into anger, bitterness, and now I yeah. hate you and I can't stand you and I want a divorce. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. that's so what you don't want to it.
0: escalate that to that level. Of course. Uh, so all this to say, Uh, open up those communication valves and respect one another, do it in love, do it in grace. Always reassure the other one if you're going to talk about something that's touchy, say, hey, I want to reassure you that I love you, I respect you, and I'm happy that you're in my life. However, here's what I want to talk to you about tonight (laughs) or today or not not late at night, ideally. Uh, So next time, so this concludes uh, the Leave and Cleave uh, teaching session that we wanted to teach today. Next time, we'll be talking about a man needs to lead. We're going to talk about male leadership in the house. And he needs to know that his leadership is needed. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't just need to lead, but he needs to know, in order to lead properly, that his need- his leadership is actually needed. So we're going to talk about this dynamic
1: yeah, in husband a, and
0: wife roles we, when it comes to leadership of the male in the household. Yeah,
1: we have a really amazing series uh, ahead So those of you that have not listened to the other two first uh, broadcasts, go to Thriving on Purpose on YouTube and uh, there's a marriage playlist. I think we created that, right? Uh, If not, we will. There's a marriage playlist Um, or you can just put in the search bar marriage and you're going to find these uh, last broadcasts that we did. Where we did uh, another two of them. This is the third one. This is
0: the third one, yeah. Um,
1: and also, we'll be putting all this uh, series on uh, thrivingonpurpose.com. So in the next few uh, days, you'll see that there as well. Lord save my marriage. So we'll put the first episodes there, so you can go listen to them, um, and just ca- you know recap. If you know Christians that need to hear this broadcast, yes. that need this, you're like, man, that would be so helpful for my sister's marriage or whatever. Lead them to thrivingonpurpose.com. I'll make it available for you guys to to sign in there and just you know be part of that academy to have access to all this really good information. Um, and also, if you guys want any oh, yeah. kingdom uh, apparel, nice. uh, this is an example of a Tumblr I created, Kingdom Patriot. Um, you can go get all our stuff through uh, on Etsy. Just search for Thriving on Purpose. Uh, Store, or you can just put in Kingdom Patriot Tumblr and you'll see it. Um, We also, uh, you can access all our stuff through thrivingonpurpose.com. Our academy is there. Yes. Um, And you'll see on the bottom, there's a menu where uh, there's, I think it says shop where you can, it leads you to our shop. Um, And you see all our digital downloads, everything we offer. We have free courses. We have all kinds of stuff there for you guys. So check it out. If you want to give to this ministry, if you've been blessed by our teachings, you can sew as well. You'll see that on the bottom of the page at thrivingonpurpose.com.
0: As always, if you've liked this video, put a like. Click the subscribe button because you don't want to oh. miss our coming episodes. Because yeah. you're going to be notified that way. Click the notification. And I just bell. wanted
1: to tell you if you guys yeah. have any questions about the broadcast. If you're like, well, I live this situation, and I, you know, you didn't address this certain thing, or maybe next uh, another broadcast, you can do q and A Q&A and just you know ask away, ask your questions. What do I do about this? Or uh, you mentioned this and this, but what about this kind of situation? Yeah. We'd be glad to uh, answer your questions in a &A. Q&A. So you you can write to us at uh, support at thrivingonpurpose.com or you can go to our Facebook page. um, Just find us on Facebook, Thriving on Purpose. You can write to us uh, directly through the messenger uh, button as well.
0: Amen. So that covers it for today. Be blessed.
1: And thrive on.
0: See you next time.